Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Bill Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Give it up for a podcast listeners. This message is called The Cross and the Crown. And uh, Galatians says, chapter 6, verse 14. And I want to line by line a little bit here because I want it recorded and it goes out and people listen to it on podcasts. Who listens to our podcast? You can have it on your phone, it's an app. You can put it on your you can subscribe to us on C3 Tugra Facebook and get to it through that. There is an app called sermon.net, you can do that. So, Father, I just thank you for this message. Thank you for Easter. And I just feel, I just sense this morning when I was speaking to Julie, I said, man, I feel like I'm getting, because I'm studying about Easter and studying about the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus. And, and I feel like I'm getting saved all over again. I feel like Luke, you know, like Luke's out of his skin with salvation. And unfortunately, as the years go by, you go, yeah, it's my entitlement. I'm going to heaven, and so I should. You know? <laughs> but really, by the grace of God go we, even into heaven. I hope you just got that still electric in you. I hope you still got that gratitude. First scripture, Galatians 6.14. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. If you go to Jerusalem... And see the Dome of the Rock, it's located, um, Mount Moriah, but it's uh, center of a platform known as the Temple Mount. And uh, just for some uh, ge- ge- geography here, it was constructed on the site of the second Jewish temple, which was destroyed during the Roman siege of Jerusalem, 70 CE Jerusalem. The mosque was built on the site of the temple, and on that same Mount Abraham in obedience to God, prepared the sacrifice of his son Isaac and God stopped his hand mid-air from doing the deed in perfect, it is, as we know, a perfect picture uh, of what would take place centuries later on Calvary. God provided a ram for the sacrifice and Isaac's life was spared, Genesis 22, 1, 9. You might want to take some notes. But I want to, I want to uh, take you back to the temple, Solomon's temple, And in the time of Solomon's temple, flowing down from Mount Moriah, uh, down into the Kidron Valley was this small stream, it was usually clear, but uh, when the sacrifices, and I hope you understand that in, in the Old Testament there was animal sacrifices, and from the temple the animal sacrifices were performed every day. And, and from Mount Moriah, from the temple, flowed a clear stream usually, but when those sacrifices were happening, and in every day they did, the clear stream turned crimson and it flowed down into the Kidron Valley and it, it was a huge reality check of the brutality of the sacrifices, but it was also, I guess, um, a reminder of our sins and I need to talk about that it, and it's, the brutality of the sacrifices was a reminder to the people of their seriousness of their sin and a foreshadowing of the ultimate sacrifice that was to come. Mm. 
So for hundreds of, hundreds of years they did this, they sacrificed uh, lambs, bulls, sheep, goats, they did that every day, the high priest, and we'll talk about that. But there was one Passover season, and the Passover is uh, a season of celebrating the release of God's people from Egypt when they, the lamb was um, slain, and they put the blood on the doorposts, the lintels, and the angel of death went over those houses, those houses were preserved, and the, uh, you know, the enemy of God's people, the Egyptians, they lost their firstborn and curses broke out every which way. So that's why the blood is important, to apply the blood to your homes. In the war, in the war, in London, and I've heard stories of London and that, where they would plead the blood over their homes as the bombs came over from Germany, um, they would plead and usually those houses that were praying and pleading the blood over their homes, they were preserved. They were preserved. So think about that. If your home is getting meddled with by any such thing, uh, not bombs, but certainly sickness and uh, troubles, whatever, plead the blood over your, over your home. Man, over your bedroom if you're having crazy dreams. Some people have demonic dreams. You can plead the blood over your... Over your amen. And so, as these priests were sacrificing years, hundreds of years, there was one sacrifice, one special Passover, there was one special sacrifice and that was Christ who was crucified and that represented the final sacrifice. He was alone, it was just Him and He died for you and I and we need to talk about that. Let's have a look at John 1.29. Uh, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 1.36. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. So if you go to Jerusalem today, no longer you'll see crimson streams flowing down from the mount. You'll see clear streams because the sacrifice has been paid for once and for all. Amen. Is that good news? So it's no longer needed for lambs and goats to be sacrificed, and that's a good thing. In actual fact, in Hebrews 9, 11 to 15, it says, Jesus says, in his dying last words, he says, it is finished. All the sacrifices that were inaugurated at the beginning it's done, it's been performed, finally, completely, and it's an amazing thing that Jesus, with his blood, he takes that blood as the high priest would, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and take the, the blood and put it on the mercy seat and then back out very quickly because if he wasn't right with God and you know the story, they would tie a rope to the priest in case if he wasn't purified enough, if he wasn't sinless enough, if he wasn't clean enough, according to God, some of them were known to have fallen dead as they went into the Holy of Holies to try and perform this final act of applying the blood, the, 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 this, this blood sacrifice to the, the altar. And they used to put bells on them. You know all this at Bible college, don't you? Put bells on them. And if they heard the bell stop, uh-oh. Drag him back out. Start again. 
The high priest, the high priest was in the order of Aaron. I'll just quickly talk about that a little, little bit later. So, throughout history, mankind has struggled to cope with the problem of sin and its consequences. But you'll find even cultures that don't even subscribe to the Bible or the Scriptures, they believe in this stuff called sin. They might call it shame, they might call it condemnation, but you'll even find races, and everyone suffers from this sin consciousness. It's embedded into the human heart. And it actually, I heard one man of God say, is actually humanity crying out for salvation, crying out for redemption. It's Bruce Springsteen's in Australia at the moment. He's really rocking the place. Isn't it great to hear 63-year-old grown-up rock and rollers seriously doing some rocking? And um, there's hope for us, Julie. There's hope for us. But you listen to the songs of Bruce Springsteen. A lot of his songs are about redemption. He grew up a good Catholic boy. He understands redemption, these themes, major themes that you would see in movies all the time. Good guy, bad guy, redemption, loss, found. Redemption. It's in the heart of everyone, but there's only one way you can appease that. There's only one way, and we know what that way is. That's why we're desperate to get it out there. It's only through the blood of Christ. And, 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 and the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. That is the only thing. No self-help no self thing. No, no, hum. Nothing will appease that. 1 Corinthians 1.18. I heard a man of God say this, Who will preach the cross of Christ? 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. Say the power of God. And unfortunately, a lot of the church has let it slide, has let the cross and the blood. We don't sing about the blood anymore because it's gory and if seekers come in, what will they think if we're singing about the blood of Christ and uh, they might walk out, they might think we're a cult or something and... Let's, let's, let's make it a bit safer, right? Can we talk about something else? And we have. We've sort of dumbed the church down a little bit from some of these major, major really doctrinal positions we have in God. Um, Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It's the blood. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> some people would like to hear about the seven steps to prosperity or healing, but there's no prosperity and there's no healing unless you come through the cross and through the blood. Amen? It, it's, it, that's the first port of call. I think last week, and I'll say it again this week because some weren't here last week, but we've we got to be careful that we don't come to the religion called Christianity and skirt around the cross and say, no cross, please. It's like, if you're having vegetables, no broccoli, please. No sweet, no cabbage, I don't know. Can, can, we, can, can we just, look, that's great, he paid that, so, but please, let me enjoy the, uh, all the benefits therein of 
what he did. You can't. You've got to come and kneel before the cross. You've got to come and kneel before the cross, and then you've got to go through the cross into your best life. Amen? And the sooner you do that, and I, and I pray that you do that this Easter, that you'd find the opportunity to study. Uh, Phil Pringle's got a book called Dead for Nothing? Question mark. Is he dead for nothing? No, he's not. We're set free. We're, we're liberated. We're released from the curse. The penalty's been paid. We've got health, healing. We've got prosperity. It's all there. He didn't die for nothing. Amen? It's such good news. So you need the cross. You can read your Bible as much as you want. You can come to church as much as you want. But if you don't come through the cross, you're going to be found wanting. Colossians 1.14 says... Um, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. I wrote on Facebook yesterday, it was a bit cheeky, but I, I, I like to put on safe things usually on Facebook, but I was quite matter-of-fact with this when I said, without the cross, without the cross, religion is futile. Without the cross, church doctrines are useless. Without the cross, communion and water baptism are nothing. Without the cross, good deeds are pointless. Without the saving, atoning work done by Jesus, broken body on Calvary, there is no way to God. God forbid Paul said that I should glory, Galatians 6.14, God forbid Paul said that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation cannot be found in a Hindu cow, a Buddhist temple or a Shindu shrine. One man of God said, it is not about the church doctrines of the Baptists or the Presbyterians. Even if you speak in tongues, even if you do rosary breeds, it's not going to help unless you come through the crucified Christ, through the cross, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? It ain't going to work. It ain't going to matter. You've got to come to that place. You've got to kneel like that Keith Green song. It's still powerful. There's a man living in the 70s. He's living just... He's a songwriter, he's living in the heyday of the 70s, and he meets God through the Jesus generation. He literally gets saved radically, absolutely radically. Do you know his story, any of you? And uh, so the songs that we sing and the songs that he, he, he created are all songs about this, I've met Jesus, I've been forgiven by, by grace by this amazing sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Man, I'm so nothing without Him. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. I'm, I live for Him now, 100%. They had this saying back then, Banana for, bananas for Jesus. Uh, they've got the young guys frowning at me now, bananas for Jesus. But th that, was, that was like a... A bit of a radical saying back in the 70s, bananas for Jesus. It's a bit lame now, isn't it? Pardon? Oh, it was before bananas in pajamas, was it? Okay. Bananas for Jesus meant you were just over the top. You were totally sold out. You were absolutely in there. The wages of sin is death. And sin, man, what is happening to our nation? If you don't believe in sin, we tend to skirt around sin. Let's just quickly have a look at that. Sin. Stuff happens. Kids, even to kids, and madmen fly planes into buildings, and people get shot in the streets now. I mean, 
shareholders get ripped off by corrupt business people and sin, sin, sin. It's, it's rife, isn't it? How many shootings we had this, this year in the streets of Sydney? Sin. It's, it's in us. Probably the only thing that we have in common is sin. Everyone has some sort of sin and everyone has some sort of some sort of ugliness about us, some weird disposition. Uh, you can't discount that, even most of you wonderful people that look so good this morning, so wonderful. We all have sin, and it might come out on, on, on a bad day, amen? We lie, we cheat, we steal. Let's be honest, sin needs to be dealt with. God knows our heart. We're hopeless and we're helpless without God. We need God. The Bible tells us, Romans 6.23, tells us that the wages of sin is death. Do you not notice that people who do sin, they get more, they just get more, they, they, they decay, <laughs> they, they get more ugly outside and inside. They, you sin, man, and, and it's gonna, it's, you're going to die. It says... Ezekiel 18.4, that soul, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Apostle James declares, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death, James 1.5. I'll say that again. The Apostle James declares, sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. The only cure for sin, the Bible says, is the cross. Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Okay, let's have a look at this word, atonement. The blood of Jesus Christ atones us for our sins. Many Christians uh, lack maybe the basic understanding of what it means. But I love this, how it's explained and it broken down. We can break this word down into three parts. At... One meant with God. Atonement is you being at, at one with Him. Meant at one with Him. That is what atonement is. We were separated by sin. Jesus died on the cross. His blood was shed. He takes His blood into the, into the heavenly realms, to the mercy seat in the heavens. He applies it before the Father. He said, Father, there it is, the final price the final sacrifice, it's done. Bang! That's, that's the dispensation of grace we're living in. We're living in the time when the sins of the world have been paid for. It's good news. If we could only tell our friends and family how magnificent it was, they would be cartwheeling, jumping up and down, celebrating, partying every day if they realize that they are good with God because atonement means at one with God. I love that. 1 Peter 1.19 says it like this, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or de defect. 1 Peter 1.20, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. So you mean even before Adam bit the apple, Eve and Adam bit the apple. Yes, he had planned it from the very beginning. 
you know the scripture in Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Jesus is coming. That's a scripture from Genesis right before even the world was sent spinning. God had a plan for his son Jesus to come and pay this price for us. Romans 5.8 says Christ died for us, but God demonstrates his own love. What's the series called? The series is called This Is Love. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Okay. So in the Old Testament, God shows us by this shadow, uh, it's a picture of the Old Testament the temple, the one temple, the high priest in the order of Aaron, he was chosen by God, certain person, Aaron, chosen, a certain time, a certain place, requirements by God. Every year they would sacrifice collectively, these priests, they would help each other and they would sacrifice all these lambs and goats and, and, and they would do the stuff and present the blood to the mercy seat at a particular time. That was once a year when the priest, the high priest, had to do this himself. No others were allowed to help him. Now, I've got to tell you how the high priest looked because it's amazing. Um, Let's back it up a little bit. This day, the holiest day in the Jewish calendar, was called the Day of Atonement. And there's four aspects of this Day of Atonement that foreshadows the work of Christ. And one of them was the person of the atonement, meaning the high priest who entered the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people. Second, the procedure, which was the specific actions the priest took on that day. Third, the product, the results of the Day of Atonement produced. And fourth, the perfection of the atonement, how it has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ and how it relates to our lives today. I'm not going to be able to tease all that out, but I want to give just one little section of what um, the person of atonement represents. And then I'm going to do part two, and I'm going to actually record it, and we're going to put it up on podcast as part two, and it's going to tease out exactly the whole deal and what this meant, the high priest in the Old Testament. And it will translate into the New Testament amazing of revelation of what actually the Old Testament sacrifice was about in terms of what Jesus did in the, for the New Testament. Okay, let's check this out a little bit. Um, one of the things the high priest had to do because uh, he, he was so adorned with this uh, magnificent outfit, uh, I've got here a most elaborate of all garments among the Israelites. The high priest wore an ephod and a breastplate uh, made of gold. It was draped in, he was draped in a purple robe adorned with all manner of precious jewels. He wore a sparkling crown upon his head. So that's Aaron right there. He's looking really really magnificent. But on the Day of Atonement, the book of Leviticus tells us that the high priest was to lay aside all the trappings of his office. 
he was to become a stripped high priest. So he would take off all those garments, he would wash thoroughly, and he would put on these linen uh, cloths. And then by himself, he would have to slaughter 15 animals, by himself, slaughter 15 animals. And then after he's done that, he's got to clean up. And then he's ready to take this blood sacrifice into the Holy of Holies, out of court, in a court, into the Holy of Holies, on the mercy seat. He wasn't a, the mercy seat had this um, incense that separated God's presence from the priest. Because still, at the end of the day, this priest was a sinner. So as he went in, he was able to present that, and if all went well, it was done. And he was able to back out and continue on with his duties. The thing is, it's the same with Jesus. Jesus had to go to the cross by himself. Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane, they couldn't even pray for him, not one hour. All his disciples uh, abandoned him. And uh, at the end of the day, the solitary Jesus is actually, in fact, representing what the high priest had to do himself. The strenuousness of the high priest killing all these animals and, and, and then being cleansed, spotless, was right and according to the law. But Jesus, who was absolutely spotless, because he was born of a virgin from Father God, he was the spotless blood that was absolutely unique in all this world. And when he died and his blood was shed, he was able to take that blood, here's something for you, on the third day, Sunday coming up, Mary goes down to the tomb and she goes to worship him. She goes to bow at his feet and clasp his feet and cry on his feet and just, Master, it's you. She's gone to the tomb, the, t- the stone's been rolled away, there's Jesus standing there, she goes to worship Jesus, clasp, touch him, and Jesus said, touch not, because, and that was quite, what do you mean, touch not, wow, Jesus, you're always so approachable, what, what's wrong with now? Because the high priest in the Old Testament could not have anyone touch him while he was performing this ultimate duty of going into the Holy of Holies. He couldn't be helped, he couldn't be touched, he could, and Jesus was this high priest. When he died and rose on the third day and Mary came to him, Jesus said to Mary, don't touch me, I have not gone to be with my father yet. I have not gone to take the, the blood, the sacrifice to the mercy seat in heaven and pay this final price. It was finished, but it wasn't quite finished in a sense. It was finished when he, took the, when he ascended and took the blood to the mercy seat in heaven. So everything that happened on earth was a shadow of what was needing to happen in heaven. Jesus is our high priest. All that animal sacrifice finished. Why did it finish? Because in the temple, the curtain that was four inches thick, 40 meters wide, 20 or 40 feet wide, 20 feet high, it ripped from top to bottom. And that was God saying, I'm here, guess what? No more animal sacrifices, no more jumping through hoops, no more high priests and such, no more, there is a high priest in Jesus, but this was Jesus saying, my beloved, come, I want to be personal with you. I want, to, I want you in my presence. 
I don't want you coming in every once every year into the Holy of Holies and, and you know, having personal. No, I want you, people of God, to abide in my presence forevermore. When that curtain was rent, and it was rent when he died on the cross, when he gave up his spirit into your spirit, into your hands, I give up my spirit, Lord. When he did that in the temple, while they were sacrificing, because it was Passover, while they were sacrificing, imagine this, the curtain ripped from top to bottom and the whole thing just fell over. And the priest went, oh my God, what has happened? They must have realized, oh my goodness, Jesus. He's, he's the one that was prophesied. He's the Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's the one that, that was from the very beginning that said would come and pay this final sacrifice. It's Jesus. That's all stand God bless you. It's Jesus. No more religion. Walking in His presence. Jesus is saying to us right now, come unto me. My beloved, come unto me. Be acquainted with me. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. I'm going to go by line by line in the, in the part two of the series. Um, and I'm going to do it after this message. I'm going to do it in the privacy of the office. And I'm going to speak it out. It'll go for, for about 15 minutes. I encourage you to read it. I mean, to hear it on podcasts. It'll really bless you. Father in heaven, we come before you now. We thank you for the sacrifice. Father God, we thank you for the perfect sacrifice of your son Jesus. I stand in this reality. I stand in this day. I I, I, Lord, open my heart to understand the great price for my life. Let's just do that for a couple of moments. Just for a couple of moments. Father, I stand in your presence. Help me understand that this was just for me. If even only, if it was just me on the planet, Jesus, you still would have done this for me. It's personal. It's real. It's powerful. It's you and God through Jesus. You're forgiven. You've been forgiven. The remission of sins. Next week, Brett Barkley, amazing Bible teacher, he's going to explain what, what actually being forgiven is about. And when, when you get it, when you understand it, you're never going to be the same again. So Lord, I just stand in your presence. Lord, your glory's been released. The Shekinah glory. See, there, there was that incense separating even the high priest from God. Otherwise, the high priest would have been absolutely obliterated but Jesus our high priest he's uh, removed the veil of hostility he's removed every barrier every veil Lord I come into your presence right now I come into your presence right now I abide in your presence I'm so thankful for your presence We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. 
For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.